You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today I want to minister to you on something that I think is essential if we're going to really do what God called us to do. We're going to, be, we're going to have to be able to receive what we can see God giving us. If you're unable to receive what you can see yourself possessing, you will not be able to move the hand of God. And this involves around a person's will and the things that they want. In Philippians 2.13, it says, God is at work in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. So it's the want that's inside of us, the want that's not evil, but the want towards good that God uses within your faith. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because sometimes we don't want what we need in our life that is good for us. Now, I've been married a long time, so I can share this and get away with it. My wife, uh, she every so often will go to a restaurant and she will pick something on the menu that she has not eaten before. And if she likes it, she gives it to me and she says, why don't you just taste it? And my usual response is, I don't like that. She says, how do you know until you taste it? I said, I ordered what I want. I don't want that. And and she'll stick it in my nose. (laughs) Say, just eat it. Try it. So I'll take a bite, and every so often I'll go, man, that's awesome. (laughs) A lot of times, no, I still don't like it. But I had to taste it to really tell if I really liked it. This is why when you're preaching in a charismatic church like us, some people come in and they, they haven't had an experience with God like I have or like many of us. And they go, why is this singing so long? Well, you know, why did, what's this about the presence of God? Because once you taste it of spiritual things, it creates an appetite for it. And one of the things about overcoming is this. You have to develop not only a desire or want for the natural things that you need, but you also have to develop a desire and a want for the spiritual things. I love the verse that says, if you hunger for the Lord, you shall be filled. Or what it says in Psalms 42, it says, as a deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. Oh, I love that. Praise God. Church, today I want to help you see things in your life you need. Things in your life that you need to receive spiritually so that God can reign in your family, God can reign in your career, God can reign in your dreams, God can reign in your life. Amen. You've got to be able to receive it and see what you've received to be able to be in that position. And I want to start with a verse over in Philippians chapter 1, verse 2. And I, I want to show you first how committed God is to the things that we believe for. Look what it says. Being confident of this very thing that he who begun a good work in you. Now notice how it says that he who begun a good work in you. Remember Philippians 2.13. For it is God who is at work where? In you. Amen. Begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, God is so committed that he will bring your miracle to pass. Once you can see yourself coming out of the hole that you're in and you receive from God, 
God is committed to bringing it to pass. You know, there's only one example in the New Testament where Jesus prayed twice. And it was a man that was blind. He was in a town that Jesus had put a judgment on it because of their unbelief. So he took him outside of the town, and he prayed for him, and he began to see. And you remember, he could see men, but they were like trees. But Jesus wouldn't let up until he could see clearly. And as soon as he saw clearly, then it was completed. God wants your marriage completely restored. God wants your career completely restored. God wants your life completely restored. God wants our country completely restored. God, come on, say amen, every church. And we've got to see that happening in the country that we live in today. We, we are the very force that is keeping evil from dominating our culture. And we cannot lose sight of the vision that God has given us, a vision of the Garden of Eden where God restores what has been broken. I love the word for salvation. It means, it means that it's nothing broken and nothing shattered and nothing lacking. When salvation comes, it is complete. God wants to minister today and give you the freedom and the blessing that God has called you to. But you got to continually receive it and you got to continually see it in your life, seeing your life coming out of the hole that it's in. See your life coming out of the mess that you're in. See your life beginning to be transformed according to the Word of God. And if you do, God is committed to bring it to pass. Now, let me tell you how powerful God is. When God says something, he's so committed to it, Isaiah chapter 55 says, that his Word will not return void. In other words, he won't quit until it's accomplished. It's a lot like if you read the story of Esther. In the story of Esther, uh, uh, Mordecai, her uncle, asked her to risk her life for the sake of the Jewish people because they would have been exterminated. Because it was dangerous to just walk into the king's presence. She was a queen, but she knew it could cost her her life. And Mordecai motivates her and says this. He says, listen, I want you to know that if you decide not to do this, you will not save yourself or your family. They're going to perish. And then he said this, and God will raise someone else to do it. In other words, he's going to deliver the nation of Israel with or without your help. And that's what I mean. When God says something in his word, and think about it for a minute. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons, which means he'll bless everybody the same. We'll see the literal fulfillment of that when we return uh, at the end of the great tribulation in the church and we rule and reign for Christ for 1,000 years. We'll see all of God's people blessed. Come on, say amen. Because God's word will not return void to those who believe. But the thing is this, God is only going to be as committed as he can to the person who actually believes. If you stop believing, the commitment is off. And you see this taught in Scripture, well, God will not let something lay aside and not be fruitful. In other words, if you remember the story of the parables of the talents, there's several. There's one that were just given uh, uh, all the same type of, of money. But the one in particular I like is the one where he gives five talents to one servant, three talents to one, and then one to another. And the guy that didn't produce any fruit, at the end of it, the Lord said, take his talent and give it to the one that is fruitful. In other words, God's word will not return void. Amen? So God is committed to bringing to completion your healing. He's committed 
to bring into completion the breakthrough in your, in your life that you need. He's committed to it. And the only reason why it might not happen to you is because you lost the vision of it in your heart. Stop looking at the world and start looking at the Word. Start looking at what the, I love verses like this. If you're willing to obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. When I think of eating the good of the land, I think of cars that are paid for. I think of homes that are paid for. I think of churches that are paid for. I, come on, I, come on. I, that's what I think about. And I don't think about barely getting to buy down on Grumble Alley. Amen? I, I, I see an abundance, a surplus. It's surprising to me how many people in the church can't see things changing in their life. Faith has to receive what you need in order for it to work and come to pass in your life. And there is a divine opportunity that God is sending every day to you in your life. Opportunities. In the Bible, there's a few expressions about Jesus that I love. It says that the people heard that he was passing by. One case, it was Barnabas. He heard that Jesus was passing by. And he cried out, Lord, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy. And Jesus stopped because he used his faith. And because he didn't plan on being the way he was forever, threw off his garment that was used for begging. Why? Because he knew things were going to change that day. Jesus calls him over, says, what can I do for you? Because you got to tell God what you want before God can bless you. And he says that I might see you again. And Jesus restored his sight. Another woman who was at home doing what she's doing, having a blood issue for 20 years, been to every doctor, spent all of her money to get healed and cured and only grew worse. And now she's broke. She heard Jesus is passing by and she decided if I just touch his Carmen, I shall be whole. Jesus is walking by right now. Jesus is walking by this church right now. He's walking by your life right now. He's ready to bless. He's ready to touch. He's ready to restore you in a great way. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Peter walked on the water. But if you remember the story, Jesus said, go to the other side. And they went to do it while Jesus went to prayer. Remember? And you remember during the night while Jesus is praying, they're out in the middle of the lake, rowing, rowing. And the storm is, is, is they're not gaining out until they're in the middle of the lake. And I mean, they've done all night long. And you know what Jesus does? He comes walking on the water, but it says this. It says that he would have walked by them. He would have passed them by if Peter had not cried out. and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. Then Peter walked on the water. I don't know anyone else that's walking on the water. He was the one that he knew in the midst of the storm. Jesus was there. Jesus is in the midst of the fiery furnace. Jesus is in the lion's den. Jesus is in the, come on, Jesus, when you go through the river, when you go through the sea, Jesus is in the midst. And because he's in the midst, you got to draw from that right there and say, Lord, I need a miracle right now. I need your help right now. I'm in this dark place, Lord, but I know I'm not going to let you pass by. You're going to help me get out of it. You're going to help me overcome. You're going to help me break through it. You're going to help me do something great in my life. It's not going to be that the way it's always been it's going to be a great breakthrough in my life because you're in the center of my life and you are the victory of my life and you are the breakthrough of my life and you are the god of restoration and power in your life come on church give him praise because that's what god came here today to do not to pass you by but to bless you so i see that you have some that he passes by 
and they're not, and they're, and they, they're left the same way that they came. Glory. Hallelujah. But there's some will receive it, they'll hold fast to it, and they'll be blessed. Can we shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph right now? Come on, shout unto the voice with a voice of triumph. This is what God does for us if we would just see ourselves delivered. You know, let me show you something powerful. The Bible says that the blind man came to Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want me to do? That's what he said. What do you want me to do? Jesus knew they were blind. Why did he say that? Faith needs a desire. If you don't know what you want from God, faith won't work. Jesus said the same thing with the man that was at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years when the angel came down and stirred up the water. And Jesus came to him and says, do you want to be well? Jesus knew he wanted to be well. He'd been there 38 years. But he wanted to awaken the desire that was inside of him for his faith to work. Say amen. Some of you have allowed that desire to die. You remember when you were a child? You remember when you were younger? You remember when God first touched you? You remember when God gave you that visitation and there was something hatched inside of you? But yet over the years, because of what you see, what you've experienced, you just put it on the burner. I'm telling you, pick up that dream again. Pick it up, praise God, and see it happening in your life. You can't have the fullness of life without vision. You can't have the fullness of life without a dream. You can't have the fullness of life unless you can see yourself coming out of what you're in into something better in your life. You got to have the joy of the Lord on your sails. You got to have the power of God motivating and pushing you and driving you and ministering to you. You got to have that or you won't have the self-control and the discipline you need to overcome what you're facing in your life. Amen. One of the things that Satan does is he steals from us because of doubt. And he steals from us because we don't always believe right. And we do things and take things for granted that end up robbing us from our life. I'm going to relate to you a story. It's about a snake it's called a hog-nosed snake, very interesting snake. And this snake is a lot like Satan. This snake, when he's threatened or whatever, he will hiss like a rattler. If that doesn't work, he has a process that he does that's very unique. He will lay down and flip over on his back, put his head to one side and lay his tongue out, and act like he's dead. Act like there's no life in him at all. There's no problem. And you can pick that snake up and put it back down on the ground and put it right side up and he'll flip back over and he'll hang his tongue out again. It's how he deceives people. There are people in the church today that have been deceived by the devil in thinking it doesn't matter how I live. I'm saved by grace. I'm not saved by what I do. 
I'm a good Christian, you know, uh, in the sense that I believe I got a lot of problems and we all got things we're working on, right? But I'm talking about someone who's defiantly living in sin. And they call on the name of the Lord. Is there no condemnation for me? Well, don't you think that fornicating with your girlfriend all the time is wrong? No condemnation, no condemnation. Listen to me. I'm a grace preacher. I sell a book about grace that blows people's minds. But you still have to live right. Because if you don't live right, there are consequences to your actions. And, it is, and, and I think we've missed that. We're like that snake. We think, hey, no problem. It's dead. It's not going to be a problem. It's a problem. In fact, in Scripture, it warns us several times of some things in our lives. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, it talks about Israel when they went into the promised land. Remember, they wouldn't mix their faith with the promise, and God swore in his wrath he couldn't go in. He said, only people from 20 years on down get to go in in 40 years. But all the rest of you are going to die in the wilderness. Why? Because they didn't have a fear of God. They, they didn't have a fear of God. And the result of that was they pushed it, the unbelief. They pushed it so far that that no big deal. It was a big deal. It cost them the promised land. Then you read over in Hebrews chapter 6, and it says those that were once enlightened tasted the heavenly gift, partakers of the Holy Spirit, have tasted the word, word of God and the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. He says that they fall away. They cannot be. It's impossible for them to be renewed again. And then in verse 7, he says this. We are confident of better things concerning you. In other words, he said, I don't believe any of you have done it, but I'm warning you that it could be done. You don't tell someone, you don't warn someone unless there's a possibility of it happening. You don't warn somebody and say, don't play next to that cliff there. You could fall off it. You don't warn your kids and say, don't play by the pool. You could fall in if you don't know how to swim and drown unless there was a possibility of it. We got to realize something that God offers us promises. But it's a real thing to believe and know that if you refuse to believe, it can cost you something. Here's, here's, here's how I look at it. I'm more afraid of what will happen if I don't believe than if I believe and have to face the mountains. I'm more afraid of what will happen to me in my life if I don't obey God than I am if I disobey God. I'm more afraid of the consequences of not believing and standing in faith. And this happened with the church. We got to a point, you know, with the pandemic I said, Lord, I don't have a choice with this thing. I can't keep it shut down anymore. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm either going to obey you and burn, or I'm going to disobey you and have something worse happen to me. I said, I'd rather be on the obedient side of all hell breaks loose on me. And I decided right then we're going to have church with or without consent. Because God has called us to worship God. God has called us to sing. God has called us to meet together. God has called us to do that. And so you got to get to that place where you're more afraid of what will happen to you if you don't do God's will than you are, come on, if you're disobedient. And I wanted to put that in the message because when you understand this, then you go, I got, I got no choice here. I got to believe God. 
I got no choice here. I got to do what God's word says here. I got no choice here. I need to see myself coming out of this. I got no choice here. If I don't, if I don't believe for my family, my family's in trouble. If I don't believe for my family, who knows what's going to happen to them. I might be the only person that, I might be the only individual that loves them enough and knows them enough that if I don't pray and intercede for them, they could be lost forever. I've got to be that instrument that I'm going to pray, I'm going to believe, I'm not going to leave it to someone else. I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to talk to my family about Jesus. I'm going to, come on, I'm going to be an example. I might be the very one that makes the difference. I just, I can't afford not to. I can't afford not to share my faith. I can't afford afford to believe I believe that sometimes we miss this and uh, there's a term they use flying airplanes it's called uh, PFO the point of no return a PFT the point of no return and it's a it's a place where a pilot has went beyond his fuel ability to get back to an airport. And they have a, another statement in flying airplanes, and, the, and, and it's called CFF. It means specific fuel flows. In other words, the, the pilot will estimate how much fuel he has to see if he can get back. And there's a place of no return. If you go too far, you can't get back. And I want to tell you the point of no return as a Christian. Are you ready? Many of us sin because of ignorance. We don't know any better, so we do something stupid. Amen? We all do that. The blood covers it. And as many of us, we have emotional outbreaks. The guy that B&W cut in front of me, I got angry. I pulled him over. I want to have a fit. I know I shouldn't have said that in the car at him. I swear now, I'm mad at him. Okay, you didn't want to do that, but your emotions got the best of you. Am I, are you all saved? Or, come on. You look at me like, oh, I don't have any problems like that. Come on, don't lie to me. We all sin in those areas. And we sin because we don't have enough information in the Word to overcome certain areas. But there's a different kind of sin. It's called an open-handed sin. It's when you've been fully enlightened to the Word of God, but yet you refuse to obey. That sin can lead to the place of no return. It can lead to the point of no return where you can't be restored from it. And if you're a believer, you'll die and miss out on many of the blessings God has for you. Amen? So I'm sharing this with you because I don't want that to happen to anybody. And I'm not suggesting it is happening to anybody here today. But I am saying that it is there and all of our life, we have to watch it. You got to watch it when you're young. You got to watch it when you get older. You got to watch it when you retire. You got to watch it all the time because Satan loves to take out people in the body of Christ. Do you know how many ministers have fallen in the church over the last 10 years? I can't even number them all. Everything lost. Why? Because they didn't believe what I'm preaching here today. There's a consequence. There's a consequence. Amen? And here's something else that will really help you through this. You want to keep the vision alive in your heart? You want to see yourself delivered? See yourself getting the breakthrough in your life? That comes through two things, sowing and reaping. Not just sowing, but also reaping. We always talk about sowing. But what about reaping? If a farmer didn't reap the harvest, he would have seed to sow the next time. 
There has to be reaping as much as there is sowing. Never, ever, ever, ever get in a place where you're not sowing. Sowing a compliment, sowing a word of faith, sowing a word of victory. In other words, talk to your body every day. You're a healthy body. You're going to live long and prosper. Hallelujah. Speak to your finances. Speak something. Sow it all the time. Sow it, sow it, sow it, sow it, sow it, sow it. And then reap it. You know, there's some Christians, they don't want to reap the success that God gives them. When I started on ministry, you remember the pinball machines? I had a missionary friend. He'd go to the Philippines, missionary. He'd come by, and, and I said, let's go to the 7-Eleven. We're going to play a pinball machine. That night, we got a little carried away, and we spent like $20, which is probably like $50 now. And afterwards, he said, Pastor, I feel so bad. I said, why do you feel so bad? He said, I, I, just, I, I just have a hard time spending that much money. You know, I'm a missionary. And I'm saying, listen, man, you've got you to enjoy the spoils of increase in your life. You can't, you got to, don't, don't throw your seed on the side. Enjoy what you've been sowing. I'm paying for it anyway. There's a verse in the Bible I really like. It's in Acts. It talks about how to Philip preached. He was originally a deacon. He started preaching as an evangelist. And he began to preach to the city. And the city was so excited, so, so excited. There were people being healed, people being delivered, this and that. And it says that there was great joy in the city. Think about great joy in the city, what that meant. Imagine if you were crippled, couldn't walk. You went to, they brought you in a wheelchair, whatever, to the service. Philip preaches, the power of God hits you, and you can walk for the first time in your life. You can run the first time in your life. You call up all your friends and say, listen, Saturday we're going to be cooking some fish and hot dogs and hamburgers down by the water. Come on down. It's going to be great. I have never been able to swim. Uh, someone's going to show me how to swim. Also, so-and-so is bringing their boat. I'm going to learn how to, how to wakeboard. I'm so excited about it. I said, man, this is awesome. He's never been able to do that before. Imagine the joy that broke out. Or how about the individual that was blind and couldn't see? He calls up all his friends. Listen, I want to go on a hike uh, this weekend because I want to see, I want to get the scenic view and th see things that I've never seen before. And I want to I go to, ch to, to, to school and I want to look at all the little kids. I've never really been to see them playing before. Can you imagine the excitement going on with the family? Yeah, joy, the Lord, praise God. We got to enjoy the increase. Or how about the person that was broke and God pours out a mother load of increase on them. They go, come on over, I'm buying. I'm buying. I'm going to get blessed here. Hallelujah. I want you to ride my new Ferrari. I'm going to pop the top. Let the wind go through my hair. Praise God. You can borrow it on the weekend if you want to. Hallelujah. Because God gave me the increase. Say amen, everybody. We need more joy. A lot of Christians don't reap the blessing of their sowing. All they do is sow, 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 and then feel bad to reap. But the reaping is when the joy is made full. That's when it's made full. And you look back and go, praise God, baby. We've been tithing and giving a special offering so that we've been out of debt on our house. And right now, we paid for this house free and clear. You know what I'm going to do, baby? I'm going to take you out. We're going to go to Palisades. You can buy anything that you want on that menu, praise God. We're going to invite our friend. Come on! There's, 
That's what I'm talking about. Where the reaping happens in your life. It's so beautiful. See, one of the things the devil will always try to do is he'll always try to steal the good things in your life. If it isn't valuable, he won't bother stealing it. But he'll always try to steal it. Now, here's something that I've learned years and years ago. When you pray in faith, excuse me, when you pray in faith, you should always receive what you ask for. A lot of Christians offer up vain repetitions, like Jesus taught about them. And they think, if I just ask the Lord a thousand times, maybe the thousand times he'll give it to me. Or if I just bug him about it for the next two years, he'll give it to me. He doesn't give it to you because you bug him. He gives it to you because you ask in faith. Whatever things you desire when you pray or ask, believe that you receive it when you do it. Say amen. amen. Receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. To, to prove you this point, the Apostle Paul, you remember when he was on, uh, had that thorn in the flesh? And he had inquired of the Lord for 12 years about it. You know what he said? I asked the Lord three times in 12 years. Or was that 14? Is it 14? Maybe it's 14. But he only asked three times in that long period of time. Why? He knew the value of asking in faith and holding fast to it. You got to ask in faith, you got to hold fast to it. The Bible talks just as much about holding fast to what you've asked in faith for as it does asking. Amen? Say amen. But God is good in your life. The Bible says all good and perfect gifts come from above, from the Father of lights. There's good things that God wants to do to you. There's marriages that God wants to restore. Your marriage being restored is, is, is going to do more than just you and your spouse. It's going to affect the community around you. It's going to affect the kids. You know, when Joyce and I were in our, I think it was our first home, no, second home, uh, we were in a kind of a dead-end cul-de-sac with our kids, and all the kids came to our house. You know why they came to our house? Because we weren't fighting. All the other neighbors were fighting with each other. All the other neighbors weren't happy. They went to the happy house. And I needed a lot of money for the happy kids. <laughs> but they came. They just came in droves. They were everywhere. And I love kids, but it was ridiculous. I mean, it was so bad we had to hide pop because they just go through it like water. Did you buy a case of Coca-Cola? It's gone. All the kids sitting there. But my point is simply this. They were attracted because we had a good marriage. There was peace in the home, victory in the home. Your blessing is more than just for you. It's for the neighborhood. Imagine what would happen if all the leaders we had in America had peace with God and had good marriages, the great decisions they'd make. The only reason why they make stupid decisions is because they're miserable. Because they don't have their life together. That's the only reason why they make dumb decisions. Their life isn't together. If their life is together, they'd make better decisions. That's what we preach here at church. The good news of the gospel will help restore, help rebuild, and help bless. But, but Satan will always try to take from you what is good. Always try to take from you. Let me, let, let me leave you with this story. How many like potatoes? I had potatoes and steak Saturday. 
Whew, that was good. <laughs> Did you know that the potatoes were never popular in the beginning? In fact, a lot of uh, people said, I don't want to eat potatoes. It's under the ground. It's dirty. There can't be anything good about those potatoes. They're under the ground. And so potatoes were not something that everybody liked in the beginning. And uh, there was a French soldier who in wartime had an opportunity of eating some potatoes. And he loved the potatoes. But he knew that most people didn't like potatoes because they were under the ground. And so when he got out of the military, he went and he bought a, a, a farm. And part of the farm had some acreage that they grew potatoes on. And so he did something very unique. He called up some of his army, army buddies and said, uh, hey, why don't you come over and I'm going to pay you to guard my potato field. He said, all right. So they came and so they had guards there to guard the potatoes day and night. On shifts, neighbors would drive by and see these guards out there guarding these potatoes. This went on for about a month until one day the guards came and said, I'm sorry, boss. Some people last night, they snuck in over the fence, went in, they took most of your potatoes. And instead of being discouraged, you know what he said? That is the best news I ever heard. Because people never steal something that isn't good. They don't steal something they don't want. Obviously, the desire to eat potatoes is growing in the people, which means my farm is going to get better and better and better and better. You got a good desire because Satan wants to take it. He wants to take it from you because he knows it'll cause you to increase. He knows it'll cause you to get the blessing in your life. It'll know you. Come on, come on. You wonder where French fries come from? The French. Say amen. Praise God. There's power in this. That there's good in your life that God wants to bless you with. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.